Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Today we are on Season 2, Episode 22, Diamond in the Rough. This episode originally aired on March 21st of 1987. So what other interesting historical events occurred on March the 21st? Well, in 1804, the Napoleonic Code is adopted in France which stresses clearly written and accessible laws. In 1844, uh, the original date predicted by William Miller of Massachusetts for the return of Christ and the end of the world occurs, and obviously did not come true. Uh, in 1925, Tennessee Governor Austin P. passes the Butler Act, making Tennessee the first state to outlaw the teaching of evolution. This law was later repealed in 1967. Uh, in 1935, the country of Persia is officially renamed Iran. In 1953, the NBA record is set, a record that will most likely never be broken, when 106 fouls and 12 players foul out in a single game between Boston and Syracuse. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, in 1963, Alcatraz Prison is closed. In 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. begins his march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. In 1970, the first San Diego Comic-Con is held. In 1973, Montreal left-winger Frank Malevich becomes the fifth player to score 500 career goals. In 1994, Wayne Gretzky ties Gordie Howard's NHL record of 801 career goals. In 2013, the European Space Agency reveals new data that indicates that the universe is 13.82 billion years old. In our most recent event on March 21st of 2019, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announces a ban on all semi-automatic weapons just six days after the terrorist attack at Christchurch. And that is our history lesson for today. So, what occurs in this uh, jewelerific episode of The Golden Girl? All right, we start in the living room, and Sophia's on the phone saying it is highway robbery. She is on a fixed income, and $50 is as high as she will go. And then she says she is very desperate, so it is a deal at $60. Dorothy comes into the living room from the lanai hallway. Sophia hangs up the phone and tells Dorothy that she got Dorothy a date for the banquet. Wow. Dorothy says she can get her own date, and Sophia says, fine, pay 100 bucks. Dorothy wants Sophia to help her with some invitations. Rose comes into the living room from the kitchen and says she is stuffed. She tried food from over 10 caterers, but hasn't found one for the banquet. Rose did learn that baked Alaska can actually be cooked locally. Yes, Dorothy has an even bigger scoop for Rose. Mars bars are made right here on Earth. Wow. Blanche enters from the front door and says she has gotten the hospital charity banquet to be in the Bedford Hotel. Dorothy almost explodes. She says the committee is on a budget. And of course, Blanche knows this. She worked out a deal. If the manager gives them that room, she will persuade her sister to sing for free in his piano bar. Rose asks if that is her sister, Virginia. And Blanche says, no, her sister, Susan Anton. 
She continues, the manager didn't believe her for a second and said she was much too attractive to be related to Susan Anton, yes. But they got the room anyway because he liked her moxie. All right, they have a place. Now they need a caterer. And Rose says she has one dropping by this afternoon. Wow. Rose is supposed to hire the band, and Dorothy is afraid she may hire the Hungsgarf Lubenhaben Yodeling Quartet. No worries, says Rose. They broke up. But the Sonja von Kugeltuba band is free. Ah, uh, the doorbell rings, and Rose answers it. It is Jake Smolens from VIP Catering. Rose introduces herself as Rose Nyland from St. Olaf, Minnesota. Rose introduces Dorothy, and then Blanche interrupts and introduces herself and says she is the chairman of the planning committee. Jake tells about himself. He was a cook in the Navy for 25 years, and he can cook chipped beef for 1500 or Chateaubriand for two. Uh, Blanche wants to know if he is married. He is not married, of course. Uh, the four of them talk for a while. All three of the girls want to get to know Jake a bit better. Jake gets a date, or Blanche gets a date with him for tomorrow night in a romantic diner down on the boardwalk. He exits. Dorothy and Rose are kind of mad that Blanche made the play on Jake and didn't think they would want to. But she did know and did it anyway and just says she is good and goes to her bedroom. Next scene, we're at restaurant. We see Blanche and Jake enter. Jake says it is quite romantic and Blanche says it is. If you happen to be Popeye, it must be a Navy type place. Yeah, they talk for a while. They are seated at the best table in the place. Jake has a nose tattoo on his arm. Huh. He got it when he first joined the Navy in 1951. There's more small talk. Clam chowder is delivered to their table, and Jake must say one thing before Blanche begins to eat it. He gives her a kiss on the lips and says it tastes better if your lips are warmed up. Back in the living room, an accordion player is playing, and Rose and Dorothy are sitting on the couch, listening and looking very unhappy. The accordion player finishes in quite a flurry, and the girls clap. He talks about his next number. It will be a song from one of his favorites, and he hopes, hopes it is ours too. Huey Lewis and the News! Ah, uh, he kind of starts, but the girls jump up off the couch and say they've heard enough, Mr. Hinkley, but he wants to do his big finale where he holds sparklers in both hands and plays, hey, look me over with his feet. He exits. Rose says they have auditioned a dozen musicians. The banquet is just two weeks away, and they still don't have a band. What are they going to do? Dorothy says they are going to eat a cheesecake. They go to the kitchen. Sophia is in the kitchen, and Dorothy says, shouldn't she be finishing those invitations? Uh, yeah, with the banquet two weeks away, I would think uh, she should be finishing them. Sophia says she is getting a glass of water. Stamp licking dries her out. Rose asks, why doesn't she use a sponge? But Sophia says she feels more comfortable drinking out of a glass. Ah, Sophia leaves through the swinging doors, and Blanche enters. Dorothy asks if Blanche and Jake had dinner reservations for the night. 
Blanche says they do, but he is late. Blanche says the last few weeks with Jake has been wonderful, but she cannot get used to some things. It is just simple breeding, she says. He uses his fingers instead of his knife to push his food around on his plate. Tucks his napkin into his collar, and he wears white after Labor Day. Boy, those are really big items there. Blanche is being overly critical, which happens when you are stunningly beautiful. Sophia enters and says, Jake is here. Jake comes into the kitchen. Jake is filthy. He helped a stranded lady by the road and fixed her transmission. Blanche asks, isn't there people who do that for a living? And Rose replies with, Andy Granatelli does. Uh, Jake is cleaning up at the kitchen sink here. Rose continues for a while. Jake will make it up to Blanche. He gives her an idea of what it might be. A picnic at the beach. Blanche says, forget the picnic, but she will get the blanket. Blanche and Jake leave, and the other girls talk for a minute. Dorothy enters the living room and asks Sophia, who's sitting on the couch, if she mailed all the invitations. Because none of the G's through the L's have responded. Of course she did. She took them in a shoebox to the post office. Unless, of course, she sent her best pair of heels in overnight mail. Rose comes into the living room, very excited. She just hired a band, the Great Pretenders, an all-female jazz band. They are supposed to be fantastic. Rose and Dorothy compare their two dates. Dorothy is going with Harvey, and Rose shouldn't brag about hers, Walter. And Walter is not renting that blue tuxedo. No, he owns it. Uh, Blanche enters and says Jake is half an hour late. Rose wants to know if Jake will be able to take Blanche to the banquet or will he have to work since he is the caterer. Um, Blanche says he might be able to take her, but her date is Hunter McCoy. Dorothy and Rose are quite surprised at this revelation. Blanche says that Jake is a blue jeans kind of guy and this is a black tie affair. They wouldn't have any fun. Doorbell rings and Blanche answers it. It is Jake and he enters the living room. He wants to take Blanche somewhere where they can be alone because he has something he needs to ask her. But Dorothy, Sophia, and Rose get up and go to the kitchen so that Blanche and Jake can be alone. Blanche begins to talk because she thinks she knows what he is going to ask. She says she just cannot go to the banquet with him as they are from two different worlds. He says that is fine, but that wasn't what he was going to ask her. He was going to ask her to marry him. Uh-oh. And she has answered that question already. Yes, Blanche is stunned. We're in the kitchen now. Rose is sitting at the table looking depressed. Dorothy enters and asks her, what is she doing up? Rose can't sleep. She keeps having nightmares about the banquet. She tells us one of her nightmares. She is at the banquet and everything looks beautiful. And suddenly Charlton Heston walks in dressed like Moses. And he tries to part the desert, the dessert table. When that doesn't work, he rounds up all the guests and leads them to the lingerie department of the nearest J.C. Penney's, where everybody starts making fun of the fat lady underwear. Sophia comes into the kitchen, carrying her purse, and she says she is sleeping so good she thought she would try it in the sink. The three start discussing Blanche and Jake and that sometimes people get away from pressure by sleeping. Sophia says that's that's what uh, Dorothy's father used to do. Unfortunately, it was usually during foreplay. 
They continue talking about Blanche and Jake's breakup. Blanche enters the kitchen area. All four of them talk about Jake and getting together again. Blanche just doesn't feel like it would work. They are too different. Sophia says that Blanche is lucky because she had a choice. Sophia's marriage was arranged. She didn't pick Salvatore, and he didn't pick her either. That There were eight unmarried boys and eight unmarried girls in the village that spring, and they decided who married who by height. And yes, if Sophia hadn't stood on that rock, she'd have ended up with Luigi the pig boy. Rose starts in and says if she got the chance at a second Mr. Right, she would want somebody entirely different than Charlie. And she talks about her scenario. Then Dorothy gets a chance, and then Blanche. But she doesn't know what kind of scenario would be hers, but she will keep looking far and wide because she knows that someday her prince will come. Blanche exits, and Dorothy asks, what the heck did Blanche mean? And Sophia says she wasn't paying close attention, but she gathered that Blanche is going to sleep with that little black guy, Prince. Uh, we're at the banquet now. Jazz is playing. Dorothy pulls Rose to the side and says there is something very odd about that all-female jazz band. They happen to be all men. And Rose just thought they were really ugly women. Ah, Dorothy says if they don't say anything, maybe nobody will notice. So enter Sophia, and she says, did you get a load of those queens on the bandstand? Uh, Blanche comes over and says the banquet seems to be a success, and her date says that much of the credit should go to the food. Original yet familiar, piquant yet comforting. Sophia mentions that Blanche and the caterer were naked most of the time. Uh, while Dorothy puts her hand over Sophia's mouth and tells the people to excuse her mother as she was a witness to the Hindenburg disaster. Uh, Sophia leaves and the girls spot Jake over by the dessert table and says he looks quite divine in his tux. Blanche gets Hunter to leave to get her a wine spritzer and tells Dorothy and Rose to keep Hunter occupied while she goes after Jake. There's some more small talk before Blanche leaves. She leaves and Hunter comes right back and there is trouble as he sees her at the dessert table. Now Blanche and Jake at the small dessert table, they talk some, and even though Blanche thinks she made a big mistake late letting Jake go, Jake knows it wasn't a mistake. He wants somebody that will like him for being him. He knows best. Uh, he gives her a short kiss and leaves while Blanche watches him walk away. Rose and Dorothy come over to console Blanche. And Blanche says she doesn't know how she let this happen. She is so confused. We then see a band member, and she or he says, Honey, you think you're confused? Take a look at the horn section. Uh, and she, he walks away as the girls watch with very confused faces. Back home in the living room, Blanche is sitting on the couch. Dorothy comes in from the bedroom hallway and asks Blanche if she is even going to try to sleep. Blanche is too upset. She isn't 16 anymore. There is no line of men on the front porch waiting to walk Blanche to town. No more cotillions, no more sorority parties. Blanche says she is just a stupid old fool sitting up all night with a broken heart. Dorothy sets her straight, saying Blanche's dance card will be filled for the rest of her life. Yeah, Blanche feels better and leaves to her bedroom. And the episode ends. As Dorothy says... Damn, I'm good. 
All right, so a few cultural references are brought up. Firstly, to baked Alaska, uh, which of course is a dish made of ice cream placed in a pie dish lined with slices of sponge cake or Christmas pudding topped with meringue. The entire dessert is then placed in an extremely hot oven for a brief time, long enough to firm and caramelize the meringue. It's also known as a omelette à la Norvégienne or Norwegian omelette, which refers to the cold climate of Norway as represented by the dish. Uh, there are also several different variations on the dish, of course. Uh, the reverse Alaska, also known as the frozen Florida, uh, which was invented by Nicholas Curti after the microwave oven was invented, uh, which is a frozen shell of meringue filled with hot liquor. Uh, the Bombay Alaska, which calls for dark rum to be splashed over the dish. And then the whole dessert is flambéed while being served. Uh, and Flame on the Iceberg uh, is a popular dessert in Hong Kong. It's very similar. An ice cream ball is placed in the middle of a sponge cake with cream on top. Whiskey and syrup are then poured over the top, and the ball is set alight before serving. Uh, decades ago, the delicacy was served only in high-end hotels, but is commonly served in many Western restaurants today. Uh, so that is a baked Alaska. Uh, a Mars bar is a variety of chocolate bar produced by Mars Incorporated, which was first manufactured in 1932 in Sloth. Uh, the American version of the Mars bar uh, was discontinued in 2002. Uh, the Bedford Hotel, uh, as far as I could tell, uh, is a hotel on the seafront in Brighton, which has subsequently been renamed the Holiday Inn Brighton after Holiday Inn bought the uh, building. Uh, the original hotel uh, was opened in 1829, but the current building opened in 1967. Uh, Susan Anton is an actress and singer, uh, most known for what? Um, oh, geez. Um... I don't, I don't know. She's on Hollywood Squares for three episodes. Uh, oh, she's on, well, The Love Boat for two episodes, I guess. Um, so she's not really all that much, honestly, that she's been in. So I don't really know why she was brought up in this episode. But um, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, a tuba band. Now, I couldn't find any bands that are exclusively tuba-based. I could find I did find a few jazz bands that uh, heavily incorporate tubas, but none that are exclusively tuba, unfortunately. Uh, Chateaubriand um, is a brand of or a style of steak, uh, which is a meat dish cooked with a thick cut from the tenderloin fillet. Uh, in contemporary times, Chateaubriand cuts of beef refer to a large steak cut from the thickest part of a fillet of beef. Uh, so that is a Chateaubriand. Uh, it is, I believe, a relatively expensive steak dish, I would imagine. Um, so that is Chateaubriand. Uh, Popeye uh, is a cartoon character, uh, which first appeared in the Daily King Features comic strip Thimble Theater 
1929. He was later renamed to Popeye, and he then became a TV and film uh, staple in the cartoon world. The American animation world, I guess. Uh, Huey Lewis in the News is a... Uh, American band that had a run of hit singles in the 80s and early 90s. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, uh, they uh, had apparently one number one single. Uh, and that's pretty much it um, for them. Uh, hey, Look Me Over, of course, is a Broadway song from Wildcat, of course. Uh, and originally, uh, in the very first run of the show, was sung by Lucille Ball in her only Broadway appearance. Uh, it was subsequently recorded and or performed by, among others, Louis Armstrong, Judy Garland, Bing Crosby, Peggy Lee, Johnny Mathis, Bobby Short, Gene Krupa, Mel Torme, Lucy, uh, Lucille Ball, and Ronnie Hilton. Uh, so that is that. Uh, Andy Granatelli uh, is an American businessman, most prominently the CEO of STP Oil Company, as well as a major figure in car racing sports. Uh, so that's uh, him. Uh, the Great Pretenders uh, is, there. there's not actually any band. Uh, there's a song called The Great Pretender, uh, but that has little to nothing to do with that, I would imagine. Um, Charlton Heston uh, was an actor uh, who played Moses in the Ten Commandments, for which he received his first uh, Golden Globe nomination. He also starred in Orson Welles' Touch of Evil, uh, and then among other stuff. Um, of course, uh, um, Planet of the Apes as well. Uh, do -do -do -do. Uh, uh, Moses is a... Prophet, according to the teachings of the Abrahamic religions, scholarly consensus sees Moses as a legendary figure. Therefore, he never existed, but is a uh, creation of uh, religious texts. Uh, and then, you know, there's a lot more we could go on and on about if I wanted to, but we're not going to. Um, J.C. Penney's is a American department store with 864 locations in 49 of the 50 United States and the territory of Puerto Rico. In addition to selling conventional clothing items and whatnot, it also uh, owns several uh, lease departments, such as Sephora, Seattle's Best Coffee, hair salons, auto repair centers, uh, eyeglass centers, portrait studios, and jewelry repair stores. Uh, so that's J.C. Penney. Uh, Prince, of course, uh, a singer, songwriter, musician, record producer, actor, and filmmaker uh, who was a prominent music figure of the 80s uh, and pioneered the Minneapolis sound in the late 70s. Uh, and the Hindenburg disaster uh, occurred on May 6th of 1937 in Manchester Township in New Jersey. Uh, when the German passenger airship LZ-129 Hindenburg caught fire and was destroyed during its attempt to dock with its mooring mast at Naval Air Station Lakehurst. On board were 97 people, uh, of which 36 fatalities were recorded. 
do 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 side characters from this episode. Jake Smallins, who when he first appeared on screen, I thought was Scott Bakula, but then I did kind of logic in my head and was like, no, that'd be really weird. Uh, uh, no, uh, Jake Smallins is played by Donnelly Rhodes. Yes. Uh, most known for his work in projects such as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, a TV show called Da Vinci's Inquest, uh, Tron Legacy, Danger Bay, and, uh, as you may know him, uh, as Dr. Cottle in Battlestar Galactica. Uh, the uh, newer, the mid-2000s one. Also Dutch and soap. Okay. Um, the waiter at the diner is played by Mike Muscat, uh, known for his work in projects such as Terminator 2, Forever Young, Last Action Hero, and Richard III. Uh, so that, and most recently, actually, uh, just last year, was in a film called Caravaggio and My Mother the Pope, in which he played the role of Rembrandt painting. Okay. okay. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. Um, the accordion player, Mr. Hinckley, is played by Vince Tranquina, uh, most known for his work in projects such as The Wizard, Death Race 2000, The Star Chamber, and uh, Alien Nation, the TV series. Uh, let's see. Harvey, I cannot find an acting credit for whoever played Harvey, nor for Walter. I cannot fi find out who played those two. I don't think we ever saw them on screen. Ah, that would be why then. Uh, well, then I wouldn't have written them down. They were um, mentioned, but... Well, I wonder if I wrote them down, they have dialogue. That's they either have dialogue or they are uh, an animal uh, that is a core part of the episode. Those okay. are the only ones I write down. Yeah, because if they, they don't have either of that, I don't bother writing them down. Yeah, I don't think they did. If they have dialogue, uh, I write them down. Huh. So they had dialogue, but I cannot find out who played them. Uh, Hunter McCoy is played by Howard Witt. Uh, most known for his work in projects such as Simon and Simon, Remington Steele, uh, The Magical World of Disney, in which he plays a character called Mr. Boogity, uh, and then Richie Brockelman, Private Eye. Uh, so that's him. Uh, and then uh, the trumpet player is played by Glenn Shaddix. Uh, most known for his work in projects such as Beetlejuice, The Nightmare Before Christmas, in which he voices the mayor, uh, Heathers, and the Tim Burton uh, remake of Planet of the Apes. He also voices um, the brain in uh, the Teen Titans show, the other one, the early one. He also plays Councilman Val Templeton in Carnival uh, as well and provides some voice roles in uh, some video games, the Nightmare Before Christmas game. Uh, he's in Kingdom Hearts 2 as the mayor of Halloween Town. Uh, and in uh, the remake of Kingdom Hearts 2 as well in the same role. Uh, so, as far as I could tell, only one new sex partner established, Jake Smallins for Blanche. So, our tally stands, Blanche 33, Dorothy 6, Rose 5, and Sophia 1. I have one additional note uh, here. Uh, Sophia now has told two different stories about how her and Salvador were married. 
before she was the most beautiful girl in town, but she drove away all the hot men and was stuck with him. Uh, this episode, she was assigned to him based on height. Uh, so that is my only note here. I don't know why they made that change, I guess, for uh, just so they can have a joke and eat up a minute of runtime, I guess. But Possibly. And the bad thing about it completely is that that other story we got from Sophia was just two episodes ago. Ah. I mean, had it been early in season one or something, we might have forgot, but it was only two episodes ago. Yeah. And now, and okay, it's based on height. Would you not think that they would check to see if you're standing on a rock or something? I, I mean, one, honestly. One would think, but... You know, I mean, it was the... Yeah, you're not that tall. I mean, it would have been, what, the (laughs) late 1800s? Well, early 1800s there, somewhere probably around there. Maybe the 10s, maybe. Uh, So, you know, who... uh, 85, and she's only like 80 now, so... It would have been late 1800s, so... Right? Uh, This was... Shown in 1985, and oh, she's, she's 80, 80, so 19. So she wasn't born until 1905. So so it would have been the 1910s, 1910s, somewhere in that range. Tens, late tens, early twenties. Uh, uh, Italy at that time? No, she's probably like 14 or 15. Uh, maybe, <laughs> probably. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's a different story, and it's. I'll figure out math sometime soon. She may tell more stories. Who knows? Uh <laughs> My kitchen observations, there was a new tablecloth at the start of the episode. We had a pink, black, and white checkerboard pattern tablecloth. Later, we got the solid pink tablecloth. And up until now, there's there's this big picture on the phone wall. And underneath that picture, there's been like a bowl-type thing hanging there. Well, they took that the bowl thing off the wall now. And for me, the invitation part here... I mean, yes, yes, I know it's a sitcom and all. Makes no sense. <laughs> no. I mean, you start it and Sophia is has the invitations. Okay, They don't even have a place yet. Mm-hmm. So how do you send out invitations if you don't know where the place is going to be? Please come to our event. Uh, please, when you RSVP, we'll tell you where it is, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm thinking, what, you're going to hand print on these the location when you figure it out the caterer doesn't matter you well it's the 80 i mean so most of this would be handwritten anyway mostly anyway wouldn't it i mean it's not going to be like i you know go on vista print and no right out okay let me write up my it's very nice (laughs) okay go to a printer and they would do it okay this is a black tie banquet so Uh it would be a very nice invitation nice calligraphy and all yeah sure but but, so, I mean, my guess would be then, I guess it had to be that, oh, if you RSVP and you say you're coming, we'll tell you where it is, I guess. I don't know. I mean. It didn't make any sense. No. And then the whole thing with, like, her shoes, like. Yeah. So what did you do? Just walk up to the counter here and walk out? And walk out? <laughs> like, I think the male person would open it and look at, like, There's, where am I sending these shoes? Or something, yes. It just didn't make much sense. No. The whole thing with the invitations. Um, did they know what the date was? Because you go to the hotel and you may want it on a certain date. 
but well, we're booked for that. But we're the, booked for that. Day. The national record shows here so, that day. We, oh well. Yeah. And last but not least, they were having a. Well, Jake wanted to invite Blanche to a romantic diner on the boardwalk. So I looked up boardwalk in Miami Beach. Oh, okay. The boardwalk right now in 2019 is approximately four miles long. Mm-hmm. So there's probably a lot of romantic spots, so I could not narrow that down anywhere. Okay. Which isn't that big a deal. Uh, we got one cheesecake eaten in this episode and one Sicily-Italian story, of course, Sophia's wedding thing again. Uh, we got four planned weddings still, four physical abuses of Rose. Well, well, well hold on. Well, I guess because, well, he was going to propose, but we're not going to count that, are we? No, he okay. was going to propose, but he never really proposed. Okay. Uh, four physical abuses of Rose, 11 St. Olaf stories, four picture it stories, eight cheesecakes eaten now, five Sicily Italian stories, 20 Sicily Italian references. Nine times the girls were mad at each other. Fifteen sports, seventeen games, four Stanley Zabornak appearances, and for me this is not a very memorable episode. Uh, when people, which no one discusses, Golden Girls out in public per se, but I know when I read like the plot line for this episode before I watched it, it was like, what is this episode? I don't remember. I just don't remember this episode very well. Hmm. Um, it, for me, it's one of the worst ones. So 58 out of 100 on my rating. It's still above an average episode of television. Still an above average episode of television. Uh, any of the Golden Girls, yes. Okay, then. Um, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Glide TV Recaps, the Golden Girls. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the show for more great content like this. And until the next episode, goodbye.